Now for something a little different. We've launched a new show called At 1046, brought to you by FactSet and Open Exchange. It airs live each week on Thursdays at, you guessed it, 1046 a.m., and that's Eastern Time, folks. We break down three research calls in 14 minutes to bring you to the top of the hour. Head over to riskreversal.com and sign up to be notified of our new shows. You can enjoy the podcast version here today and be sure to check out the show with our slides and charts on Open Exchange TV. All this info is in our show notes as well. We'll see you next week for our usual episode of The Macro Setup. Well, Dan, you hear that music. You look at your watch. You don't have to look at your watch because you know what time it is. It's 1046 here on the East Coast. I'm Guy Adami, joined as always by my dear friend Dan Nathan. Get ready for this, Dan, because today's episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsors. There's an S at the end of that, Dan. Fact set, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies in the world. Dan Nathan, there is nothing standard about Eastern Standard because this <laughs> thing is the gold standard. What's going on, Dan Nathan? Well, What's going know, on? Guy, you put two brands like that together, virtual meetings that matter and a financial data behemoth, and you and I start looking like the weak links in this program here. I, I don't know. Speak, I'm just... oh, oh, speak, speak, for, speak, yeah. for your, speak for yourself. So look, What's the first call today? And before we get into the first call, because I know what it is, Dan. I yeah. know what it is. Remember in the movie <laughs> Goodfellas, Maury sings, oh, Henry boy, the pipes. You know what was calling yesterday? It wasn't the pipes that were calling yesterday. It was the margin clerks with all these folks in the cryptocurrency. So why don't you speak to me about what's happened in your Bitcoin and your Ether, Ethereum and all that crazy in, nonsense in my, stuff? In my, you're calling me out as a coiner here, guy. Um, you know, I am, I am crypto curious, let's just say. But what we saw this week was a, an outright crash. It was kind of interesting because we're seeing it play out, obviously, on Twitter and the financial media. You know, there are, you know, fairly well-situated bulls and bears um, in this. And, and, you know, everybody was kind of a winner in the last 24 hours, which is really the crazy thing, because if you look at the performance that we've seen, you know, from the highs in Bitcoin, it was uh, down 53, 4% peak to trough from those highs in April that just kind of coincided with that direct listing IPO of Coinbase. You tell me if that was a coincidence um, or not, Guy. But then there was also, you know, Ethereum, which is right now about 43% the market cap of Bitcoin. I think that's one of the highest um, ever. Listen, you know, the bulls came out, they defended. They said, this is the sort of volatility you should expect from a new asset class like this. We have the slide up right here. Mike Novogratz, major, major crypto bull. He's saying 40,000 is an attractive entry point for here. You know, listen, a lot of retail, like you said, with leverage kind of got wiped out. They were kind of FOMO buying last month and they just got taken out. And it's a very uh, sad state of affairs. But I think a lot of the institutions have been leaning into this. They continue to buy that dip. No, listen, and Nova's been talking about it for a while. And you mentioned the Coinbase uh, mm -hmm. listing. I'll tell you flat out, we had Brian Kelly on CNBC's Fast Money that night. Yeah. And he said, you know, you could be in for some short-term sideways to lower action. He was spot on. And I don't believe in coincidence. And by the way, it also sort of lines up with Elon Musk's performance on uh, Saturday Night Live. I don't think that's coincidental as well. I think a lot of people were hoping he was going to say something that night that would have been bullish. And obviously, he heard anything but. He, he did do... what. It, 
what is those crazy things, those emoji things, the diamond yeah. hands the other day, which, I mean, give me a break. Really, well, Dan? Yeah, but here's the thing, right? So he's at war with the crypt, uh, the big uh, Bitcoin bulls right now. He's pushing that doge, the joke coin here. Let's let's look at the one-year chart of the, uh, of the Bitcoin because, you know, that Whoa. sell-off, that peak-to-trough decline, you know, we've seen plenty of peak-to-trough declines. I think big bulls will tell you, listen, 50% peak-to-trough declines have been the history of the advancement, believe it or not. I know that sounds kind of goofy, but over the last 10, 11 years of this cryptocurrency. But look at this year alone. You know, in January, there was like a 30% peak to drop decline. And then in February, there was a 26 peak to drop decline. And then 18% in March. And then 20 some in, in, in April. So, you know, we had this kind of bloodletting here. We blew through that breakout level from um, February 42.5, went all the way down to that 200-day moving average. And that is where we are right now as we speak. So there's a huge war going on. But listen, man, and I know you're an old-timey sort of guy. You're a bit of an old uh, gold bug sort of guy here. This is the thing that you've been calling for is a breakout in the shiny store of value, not the digital store of value. Well, can we do the slide at Earl thing? Because yeah. look, Man, right on cue. By the way, these charts are fantastic. I mean, these are clearly fact set charts. I mean, we are in the big leagues here. Look, you look at that chart, Dan. That's a gold chart. You have that significant downtrend from the all-time high. And guess what? Guess what, Dan, Nathan? Guess what we just did? We just broke through that downtrend. I know what you're going to say, but I'll let you say it. You're going to say it's a false breakout. Uh, I'm not getting all excited here. What I will tell you is I am getting all excited here because I don't think gold and Bitcoin are as attached to the hip as people think. I think Bitcoin can recover. I think people are going to realize that, wait a second, gold can recover here as well. Maybe I'm in the minority, uh, but gold's done everything right over the last three to four weeks. And you mentioned bloodletting. I know you say that because you think I'm an old guy. Yeah. Yes, when I was a kid, that's what the physicians did. They did <laughs> bloodletting when we were sick. Obviously, it worked for me. It didn't work for a lot of other people, but I digress. I think gold breaks out from here, Dan. I think it's, I, listen, I'm going to take the other side of that because if you think that Bitcoin is going to stabilize at that kind of February breakout level, it's a pretty key technical level. And, and I know a lot of the bulls are calling for new highs in a few months here. I think you're going to see money come out of gold. I think that the main pillar of the bull case for Bitcoin right here is that it is a better store of value than gold. Um, you know, so so that's, let's see how that one plays that's out. That's what makes markets. Listen, by the way, the, the wild card in this, as you know, and I think the folks watching 10, at 1046 no as well is the US dollar and and I do believe the US dollar is going to take out the uh, the recent lows of 88 at DXY we don't have a chart I just sort of threw that in there because that's what we do here on live television Dan we sort of throw it around a bit anyway back to you yeah, let's go over to a single stock call. Morgan Stanley up, uh, upgrade Salesforce.com from a neutral to an overweight. That is buy the stock in Wall Street. Speak there, guy, Nami. They're basically saying concerns on M&A appetite and durable margin expansion may linger. Uh, leading franchises do not stay cheap for long. I really like that. We know that they made, um, you know, a bid for uh, Slack, um, ticker yep. W-O-R-K. Um, and I think there's some concerns about the integration and the valuation and that sort of thing. But listen, you know, if you're going to look at a PE on a stock like Salesforce, it's always going to be elevated 65 times, trading about eight times sales here. I, I think it looks kind of cheap relative to some of its peers and given the way that they're positioning. And just so you know, Guy, as a co-founder, of a small business, you know, more and more people like us are relying on these outsourced um, kind of services, uh, software as a service that, that companies like Slack and, and Salesforce offer. So to me, I think this is a great post-pandemic story in a you hybrid know, work environment. 
It's interesting. Software as a service, they should make something, they should call it like SaaS or something. That would be such, yeah. maybe well, I should coin that phrase. Uh, wow. Listen, leading franchises do not stay cheap for long. I think in this case, in my opinion, they're talking about the stock. And, you know, I'm not so sure that that's the right way to look at it. Now, you mentioned on evaluation, it's cheap. But we also have a chart for this one. And the price target is 270. What I'll tell you is, Dan, pretty steep downtrend um, yeah. from the all-time high. I think we made in September of 284 and a half. And yeah, maybe we trade back up to those levels. They do report earnings on May 27th. But this stock is anything but cheap. And oh, by the way, if you notice, and I know you do because you watch, <laughs> ever, since ever since that September high, as Salesforce has been going lower, guess what very quietly has been making an all-time high? You guessed it, Oracle. So maybe the bloom is off the rose here in Salesforce. Oh maybe, that is, that no, is I'm one just of the, telling you. That could be one of the worst Worst takes of 2021. Okay. We have it here Fair live enough. on S1046, people. I'm just, it's not, okay, fine. Am I wrong? Am I? Is Oracle not making an all-time high? Has Oracle and Salesforce not been going head-to-head? Is every time Mark Benioff goes on, he doesn't talk about Oracle? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. But it might be the worst take of 2021, and we are in May. So anyway, it back could to be. you, Dan. All right, real quickly, on that chart here, I, I see what you see, Guy. I see probably a move back towards 235. That is that downtrend from the September lows. You know where the stop is. It's that support just above 200 bucks. But let's talk about it relative real quickly to the, uh, the NASDAQ 100 here. You know, we have a one-year chart um, of that. And, Guy, what would you say that that the, the NDX has held that trend like like a what? Like a what? I, I, I like, like a boss. Like, like a like Boss. A boss. And, yeah. to, and as the great Carter Braxton Worth would say, to the penny, it held yeah. that it held that mm -hmm. uptrend line. And this is a very significant uptrend line. I think you believe, as I do, we're going to test that 200-day moving average, which is that wiggly little yellow line below the, the <laughs> laser straight line that you drew or the friends at FactSet drew. And that's where I think we're going. But the fact that we held this first time is really encouraging. And you can go back and look. Every time we traded down to that downtrend line, what has happened, Dan Nathan? It has bounced in a significant way. We'll see if that happens again now. Yeah, I, I think it's also important to remember that that 200-day moving average also is uh, lines up pretty well with those March lows. And if you remember what was going on in early March there, there was just a, a high valuation sell-off. There was a lot of money coming out of big cap tech and the work-from-home names, and there was a rotation into more cyclical names. So I think it would be perfectly healthy, especially if you're looking to play for a second-half rally. I will also tell you that I can't remember the last time we've seen this sort of outperformance in the S&P 500 versus the NASDAQ or the NASDAQ. NASDAQ 100. I think the NASDAQ's up, you know, close to 3% and the S&P up close to 10%. That is not something that's been particularly normal. One more flush might be great. And it might be a great setup for the second half of the year. You know what you say? I'm not even going to, well, I'm not even going to go near that, but just think about <laughs> what you just said. And I think at times that is absolutely the case. Yes, Dan, let's, <laughs> let us move to our next, uh, to our next analyst call. <laughs> UBS downgrades Wells Fargo. I love when a bank downgrades a bank. I, I yeah. just get such a kick out of it. To neutral from buy, obviously, there's been a steep rise in Wells Fargo. We're going to have a chart that illustrates that. No longer need to, you know, the, no longer feel that Wells shares offer an attractive, attractive risk reward profile. Stocks have nearly doubled last 12 months. Um, look, Wells Fargo to me is expensive. They just reported earnings. Their tangible book, Dan, is $33.57, which means right now they're trading at around 1.36 times tangible book. The average price target, according to FactSet by analysts, is $48. 
it's it's an okay call and it's it's not knocking my socks off. I think I think Wells Fargo, in my opinion, should trade closer to tangible book, which is thirty three and a half dollars. And quite frankly, oh. I think if this tape tape gets dicey, I think you could absolutely see Wells trade back down to those levels. I think they're through all the problems they've incurred over the last two and a half, three years, but it's a second tier franchise, in my opinion, Dan Nathan. Yeah, well, you know, the logo for that company is, what was it your first automobile or your first, the, the first way you used to that's, get that's around? Very, that that's sort of the thing. Stage wanna, yeah, the that's stagecoach. The stagecoach, yeah. yeah um, well, listen, here, here's the thing. You just mentioned some levels here. Let's look at that one-year chart. You see the massive outperformance relative to the other banks. I think it's up 50% of the year. It's up more than 100% from those lows in November here. This one was making lows in November when JP Morgan and some of its other money center peers were already kind of trending higher here. Um, you know, for 42 and a half looks like a, a pretty decent level back to that uptrend. We have a quick chart right here versus uh, Wells Fargo versus the XLF, the ETF that tracks the banking sector. And you see that recent outperformance um, here. Listen, I'll just say this is that everybody, you know, has gotten, you've seen this massive rotation. We're just talking about the NASDAQ right out of high growth. Um, it was the, the pandemic winners, the work from home names um, into the reopening trade. And I think banks clearly benefited from that. And then you had rates going higher, right? So people were thinking, about net interest margins. You're also thinking about loan growth and you're thinking about just these weird supply demand dynamics in the housing market and some of the kind of secular trends we were seeing. Well, listen, there's a chance that all that kind of abates a little bit. I know you think rates are going much higher. I don't think they're going much higher, but mortgage rates may stay here and some of the positive trends in housing may abate. So to me, I like this call here. I think you probably see low 40s over the next few months, especially if they don't guide in mid-July to the sort of, um, you know, the sort of, uh, growth that people would expect to maintain this valuation here. Let me just give you a little tip. Words like abate you use once in a 14-minute segment. You used it twice in nine seconds, number one. And number two, what you <laughs> failed to mention, Dan Nathan, yeah. is that the old guy in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, uh, that's Warren Buffett, he got out of 99% of his Wells Fargo shares. Maybe he knows something the rest of us don't know. Anyway, I like other banks more than Wells Fargo, and I do think you could see a huge back and fill in the name, especially if the space starts to give up the ghost. We got to do something here. What do we call this, Dan? One for the road, because we got to move, man. We, we got a fall rear end. What do you got for me? All right, let's talk Tesla. You just mentioned Elon Musk. For some reason, the guy is spending a lot of time in the crypto world, a lot of time on Twitter. And in the same time, you know, Tesla has got a lot of stuff going on. They're trying to release some new cars. They're trying to get bigger in China. They're trying to land. He's trying with SpaceX to land rockets, and they're doing a great job of it. But for whatever reason, he wants to mess around in, in the metaverse. You know what I mean? With the crypto sort of stuff. Let's look at the Tesla chart here. Guy, wait, wait, wait. Hold on one second. Are we going to hear some sort of buzzer or yeah, something like can that? Yeah, we, we, I know. I'd say right now we're going into OT because I know uh, because you're rambling on like Led Zeppelin. It's okay. We got time. Please continue All right, as, we, as we push through the top of the hour here, Dan. Fair Dan. enough. Let's look at that Tesla chart here. You saw that parabolic move that we had from November, mid-November, when the S&P said it was going to go into their 500 index. That's a pretty big index of stocks here. It is in the number nine slot as far as the largest holdings within the S&P 500. You saw it went literally from 400 to just about $900. Here we are down about 35%. You see that uptrend from 
the March 2020 lows. It's also below, it's a, a couple of closes this week, below its 200-day moving average for the first time that it's kissed that yep. since those March 2020 lows. This is just, why is this one for the road? Keep an eye on this one from a sentiment standpoint. Listen, this looks like as good a place as any to bounce. And when this stock bounces, it usually is a face ripper for the shorts here. What is your take, Guy Downey? Well, I mean, face rep sounds very, that sounds extraordinarily painful to me, a face rep. But you happen to be correct when you say that. That's a term we used to use in Wall Street in the 80s and the 90s. We sort of got away from it later in life. But I will say this. The fact that it did trade down to that trend line, seemingly held, 200-day moving average, again, seemingly held. And, oh, by the way, it traded down to and has bounced from that recent low, which you can see on the chart. All very encouraging. Trading, Dan, is about risk-reward. And the reward the risk reward has not set up better in Tesla in quite some time. So I agree. I think you know what you're risking on the downside. And I think your upside could be at least 15 to 20 percent. And with names like Tesla, you see that over the course of not a few days, but a week or so. And I think that's where in, in store for now. I mean, I'm not that good a prognosticator. And that also okay. is a physician. Um, but that's what I think is setting up. That's a great chart by these fact set charts. Rock, Dan. Well, you, you know what's they funny? Rock. I, I got to give a shout out because, you know, for years, 10 years, I sat next to you on that fast money desk before the yeah, pandemic. And hopefully sure we're going back very soon. And you and I sat right next to each other. I don't know why they just wanted to put us. Maybe we're like in the corner or something like that. But I would often in the commercial break, look over your shoulder. You always had street accounts up. That was kind of your cheat sheet. You know what I mean? In the commercial break. For yeah, the is. fast money. So it's really fun to have Fact Set, the owner of that fantastic street accounts property, as one of our presenting sponsors here. Well, we, we got we got to get out of here. Folks yeah. got other meetings to go to. I mean, the summary is this crypto versus gold. You know where I come down, Dan. <laughs> I come down on gold. My sense is you come down on the other side. That's what makes markets. Morgan Stanley upgrades Salesforce ahead of earnings on the 27th. UBS downgrades one of their competitors, Wells Fargo. I like that call. And we did the one for the road, like Roger Miller, Tesla at key support. I agree with that, Dan Nathan. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I like it. I just think that you're going to want to use a stop very close to where that stock is trading, because if it does break and we've had a meaningful sentiment break in this name, it could go easily below $500. And I just tell you, draw a circle around that $400 level November 16th when the S&P announced that, that it was added to the S&P 500. If there's a couple other pieces of bad fundamental news over the summer, that's where it's going to. Well, let's get let's get on out of here. And again, we got to thank our new presenting sponsor. Fa I mean, I am so excited about FactSet, Dan. I know you are as well. FactSet, they rock. And you saw the charts, and we're so happy to have them on board at 1046. And obviously, I want to thank, who do you want to thank, Dan? Open Exchange, because if there's a meeting that matters, you know who's powering that sucker? It's open, open exchange, exchange. Yeah, and, it it's is. On, and it's on OETV. So we're really happy to have them as a partner. They make it all possible. Play the music and let's get out of here, Dan Nathan. That was fun. I'll talk to you next week, same time. At 1046.